Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Stuck in Bed podcast. I'm your host, Tova, and today we are going to cover one of Disney's newest films, Turning Red. Do you know how long this damn script is? We are going to break the full review of Turning Red into three episodes. We're going to cover everything within the first 30 minutes of the film and leaving the rest for another day. I do have a problem with mispronunciation, so try not to bang your head into a wall when you hear me butchering English and Chinese names. Produced by Domai Shi, a Chinese-Canadian director, the story follows a Chinese family as they go through a rocky time, the dreaded puberty stage. Why is it so important to list the nationalities of the characters and director? Representation. Not only is it a breath of fresh air to see a film without a Caucasian character, but it's also a massive step in the right direction when it comes to making everyone feel like they are represented. It's so important that we make those steps. Because not only does it make people feel seen, it also makes them feel like they have a character that they personally can relate to. And that, to me, is special. Now, right off the bat, the movie demonstrates the importance of family, who plays an important and major role in the film and influences our character May throughout, as well as showing the bonds between May, her friends, and her family. The movie starts with her at school. A bunch of introduction slides go through, introducing each character. A lot of controversy was sparked over their Korean character, over making them energetic, which you probably don't know why people think that would be controversial. Well. For some reason, some people have drawn the conclusion that they're trying to make her look more like an anime character. I don't see it, but that's part of the reason why this movie received so much backlash. Another was simply people cannot relate to it. Then again, when your movie is targeting a very specific demographic, which would be young girls who are just starting puberty and get their first period, it's not always going to hit as close to home for most people as it would for those specific people. But anyway, after the title card plays, we're shown a scene where she describes herself, May, and her acceptance of labels really just a lot of people don't like it when people call them oh you're a freak or oh you're this you're that but may takes it in stride she doesn't see them as hateful and that's amazing to me but once devon and all the others are introduced devon Devin, I meant Tyler. Devin comes in later. Forgive me for that slip up. 
I don't know why that's in the script. Who wrote this? Oh, wait, I did. Shit. <laughs> but once the main set of characters is introduced and the bitch boy Tyler is also introduced, forgive me for my language, but Jesus Christ, I hate the fucking kid. Anyway, once school is out, they go to Daisy Mart and look at a kid named Devin. He's your average kid, working as a clerk, and looks like a TikTok fuckboy. Like, he looks like the kid who would be on straight TikTok swinging his dick around for straight girls to see. And holy shit, the second I saw Devin, I started laughing my ass off. He looked so annoyed just by existing. And it was perfect. But once that finally, like that part of the scene ends, after they talk about how hot Devin is, how like some of the friends in the group love him, they start talking about Fortown. You may be asking, Tova, what's Fortown? Well, considering this movie takes place in the early 2000s, Fortown takes inspiration from other bands from that time, like O-Town, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, etc. Absolutely love those inspo bands. As you can probably tell, the name took inspiration from O-Town. And, of course, there's a little joke later about why is it called Fortown when there's five guys? But... We'll talk about that later. So, once May says she has to leave to go help her family clean, the friends start saying, No! Like, why don't you come, like, with us? We, we're doing karaoke tonight. And May refuses, saying that she got a new feather duster, and she's excited to use it. And before May leaves, one of her friends comes around and they start this little dance sequence with one of the songs, O-Town Made. Wait, Four-Town? Four-Town Made. Another mistake in the script? Jesus Christ, I'm illiterate. Anyway. After the dance sequence, she boards the bus and heads over to the shrine. The shrine is located right next to May's house and is a very important place to both May and her family. They celebrate their answers at, at answers ancestors at that shrine and ultimately they in turn celebrate themselves. It's discussed that you know, it's obvious that the main characters love their ancestors. I don't know why I keep going about this. I'm sorry. You know, at this point, I'm just talking to air. <laughs> well, high as shit. We don't talk about that. But anyway, we're introduced to one of her ancestors, which I do not remember the name at the current moment, but 
that ancestor plays an important role in the movie. I'm going to search it up. Oh, come on! It doesn't even show it. That's disappointing. Anyway, let's skip this part. After they finish cleaning up and heading home for dinner, a few details are revealed. They're... Let me describe the scene to you. They're in the living room watching what I can only assume is a romantic drama while her father's cooking in the kitchen. When a ad for Four Towns' newest, like, show is coming up. They don't know where, but May is excited. This prompts her mother to make comments about Four Town, saying things like, who would watch that stuff? Like, who would like that sort of music? Which, like a lot of us, when our parents show disinterest for something we like, say, oh, a couple people at school like them, or a couple people at work like them, things like that. And the scene ends with May turning away. After dinner, May goes into her room and sits at her desk to draw a boy, which would be Devin from Daisy Mart, which we were introduced to before. She crawls underneath her bed to continue drawing the boy, and draws her and Devin in an embrace. After five, ten-ish seconds of fiercely drawing, her concentration is broken by her mother calling for her. Crawling out from underneath the bed, while hitting her head in the process, she dashes to get on top of the bed, forgetting her notebook. Her mom enters, and after a couple of seconds of staring, she notices the notebook on the ground and picks it up to flip through it, thinking it's homework. After seeing what May drew and expressing her concern, she asks what's going on. May explains that it's just a boy, which prompts her mother to start asking, Who is he? And did he do these things to you? Pretty much in that exact tone. But keep in mind that all that was drawn was a hug and a caress of the cheek. That was all. May and her mother start to fight over the control of the notebook, tug-of-war style. And the notebook rips in half. Noticing the hat on the boy, the mother immediately assumes it's Devin, the clerk from Daisy Mart. She drives straight in there, May in tow, almost crashing into Daisy Mart. This woman almost kills people in the process of chasing down a guy. <laughs> when I saw that scene, I was like, holy shit, she could get charged for murder? But she didn't end up going through the store window like I was hoping. She stopped short on the pavement. No. She immediately rushes into Daisy Mart, 
throwing accusations and yelling at Devin. I should have reported you to the police. And what are you, like, 30? After responding, saying he's 17, she says, oh, this is what happens when you're on drugs. Like, first of all, where did that assumption come from? Sure, he looks like he's tired as shit, but not on drugs. But then again, loads of parents assume, oh, they're on drugs. If they do anything suspicious, that's that's just a parental trait. God, I feel like I'm calling out myself. <laughs> not for the accusation part, for the having experienced this before. But after finishing up yelling, she slams May's drawings down on the counter. And the customers, who are just standing by and taking it all in, gather around to look at the drawings and make fun of her. In that crowd are some background characters as well as one noticeable character. Tyler. The bully from before. Now, we've all had our experience with bullies, one way or another, but Tyler takes it a step too far. But that will come later. The entire scene is one that makes you think of times when you wished what was happening was a dream. Connecting to the viewer's own personal experiences is what makes a film relatable and exciting. And that's only 15 minutes into the film. We're in for a long one, folks. Now, I only have a little bit left before we have to say goodbye, so let's wrap this up. A couple minutes later, something happens. When she's at home, she starts saying... You shouldn't have done that. That was a stupid thing to do. And you're your mother's pride and joy. Blaming herself for what happened. She throws her drawings in the trash can and goes to sleep. And then she has a nightmare. During the night, the candles that were lit for her ancestors at the shrine extinguished. A scene bathed in crimson light with a dark red fog spreads across the screen. When May wakes up, we see a shot of her eye. And just barely, like going out of frame, is fur. This makes the viewer question, is it happening already? And yes. It is. She goes to the bathroom unknowing of what's going to happen. And when she looks in the mirror, the camera cuts to the kitchen and we hear Mace scream, prompting her mother to run to the door and ask what's wrong. Forgive me for that. I had to end the first recording early because of somebody in the house. And yes, for some of you, you know who that is. And the rest, screw you, you don't get the reference. (laughs) 
<laughs> I apologize. Anyway, continuing from where we left off, her mother asks if the red flower has bloomed. And May says no. And then changes her answer to maybe. Prompting her mother to run and yell, Jin, it's happening! And grab a box of supplies for May. Now, May, terrified, tries running to the shower, gets her foot stuck in the toilet, and then closes the shower curtain right before her mom enters. Now, when she comes in, she starts unpacking immediately. She says that they'll get through this together. And she pulls out items from the box. Ibuprofen, vitamin B supplements, pads, and a hot pad. Now, for our male audience, you may not know what those are for. When someone gets their period, they experience cramping, headaches, etc. The ibuprofen and hot pads help with the cramping. It helps numb the pain and soothe it. The vitamin B supplements are to account for the blood lost during one's period. And the pads, well, pads come in all different shapes and sizes. There's wingless, there's ones with wings that go underneath the underwear. There's thin, there's thick, depending on how heavy the flow is, and there's ones for different times of day or activities. And her mother says that they need to have a talk. And we've all heard this before, in some shape or form. Male, female, doesn't fucking matter. You've heard it. <laughs> the, you're getting to a point where your body changes sort of talk. May, however, like most of us, is embarrassed by this. Unlike the rest of us, however, the talk is interrupted by porridge burning. How come May is luckier than we all are? It's like, oh yeah, she completely avoids having the talk because of porridge. I had to sit through two hours of my parents describing how periods work to me. And May just gets off scot-free. But... May sees an opportunity as her mom runs out and heads to her room. She starts panicking and knocking things over in the process. And she thinks this is all a dream. Telling herself that once she wakes up, it'll all be over. She won't have to deal with it anymore. And like most of us, probably wish that was true even in our own experiences because periods suck they they were never meant to be pleasant that's for sure but when may goes to sleep in her bed well it breaks <laughs> because she is a massive panda what do you expect but <laughs> As you can probably 
guess this isn't reality. While it seems like it goes away for a little bit, and she looks in the mirror to see that parts of her are disappearing, like the ears and the tail, she picks up the hairbrushes and starts combing to calm herself down, which works for a second, but when she gets excited, it comes back. And so she immediately connects the dots and starts trying to do tactics to calm down. And it works. She silently celebrates and takes a look in the mirror, shocked by what she sees. Her hair turned red. As it's a metaphor for, well, what's happening. When you get your period, you feel like everything got thrown out the window. Because it's a whole new territory. It's unfamiliar and it's painful. And you wish it wasn't reality. You wish it wasn't true. But she brushes it off saying, oh, it's okay. You're gonna figure this out. Just be calm. Mature adult. You totally are. As you can probably tell, there's a bit of denial in that statement. She sits down on her bed and we get reminded that her bed fucking broke. In the next scene, they drive up to school and her mom gives her a pep talk. Saying, nobody will notice a thing, it's gonna be alright. And May, in a robotic tone, says, Thank you for your concern, mother. But I'll be fine, trying to keep herself as calm as possible. Because from what she saw before, any extreme emotion causes her to turn into the panda. Her mom, obviously concerned, telling her that she packed extra snacks, some herbal tea for cramps, and relax. And May grabs the backpack with everything that got packed and runs out. Some people probably didn't notice this, but I did. In that scene, when May is running out of the car, if you take a look at the license plate, it says systems. Probably not much, but now we're able to tell a bit more if the massive Canadian shirt didn't do much that's in Ontario. Then again, I'm probably just stupid, and either this is based on a fictional or real city, I'm not entirely fucking sure, but May turns back and gives her mom a shaky thumbs up, unsure of what's going to happen next. But anyway, 
this is all for episode one. I sincerely hope you all enjoyed as I try and navigate how to do a podcast. (laughs) I love you all so much and I hope you have a good night. And I sincerely hope that you look forward to the next one. We ended just 10 minutes short of our 30 minute mark, but I have to end because I got food waiting for me and I don't want it to get cold. And I have to check in with someone that keeps texting me. Yeah, you know who you are. I know you're listening. I'll get to you in a second. (laughs) But anyway. I hope you have a good night, everyone, and I will see you all in the next episode. Goodbye!